Hello everyone and welcome to the 20th episode of Encrypted. My name is Ahmed Al Balaghi. Encrypted is a weekly podcast dedicated to guiding you through the blockchain and crypto universe. Today with me, my co-host Faisal is with me today. Hi guys. Hope you had a good international uh, vacation. Uh, I hope everyone is back fresh and wild. Yes, happy UAE National Day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Um, and also today we have a special guest all the way from DC, Samson Williams. Say hello. Hey, welcome. Uh, glad to be here. You guys had a brilliant uh, fireworks show yesterday. <laughs> I <laughs> loved it. I was like, oh, look, jets and fireworks just for me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How are you doing, Samson? Oh, I've, I was just talking about the coffee. I had some coffee, so I'm wide awake now. Your coffee here and uh, the UAE is a little bit stronger than in America. So do you want to introduce yourself quickly? Oh, yeah. I always forget this part. Uh, so my name is Samson Williams. Uh, you can follow me online at Hustle Fund Baby. Uh, I'm a partner at Axis and Eggs. We're a think tank and a digital advisor based in Washington, D.C. Uh, what that means in plain English is we answer the questions you can't Google. And so if you can Google an answer, don't ask us. But if you Google something, you can't find the answer. Well, then that's where we come in. Uh, because as we solve, as we solve uh, problems for the future, they have to come from somewhere. So we use our imagination. We have a process where we call dream, imagine, plan, implement, succeed, so that we can help you and your business position itself for the future of awesomeness. Great. So we're very happy to have Samson today. He's um, old friend, like oh, yeah. in crypto space. In blockchain time, I think yeah. we're like related by now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. And today's episode, really, we want to actually do a 2018 recap where we look over sort of the negatives, positives, and lessons learned mm-hmm. um, over the course of the year because there have been so many lessons learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, I mean, it's, it's just been a crazy year. And at least if we we're going to start off with sort of the first thing, I, I think this is like the most recent and most relevant thing that's on everyone's mind is the sort of 75% drop um, in Bitcoin's price from the high 20,000 till mm. what now? It's, I think, hovering around $3,900. Pain alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's, well, that's 75%. But now I think all the, most of the ICOs, when you average it, it was dropped, I think, 90%, according yeah. to a few research stats. And it's it basically meant a lot, a lot of hedge funds have been started to shut down as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, particularly in Asia. So after a few phone calls and <laughs> you just hear some people saying, yeah, we're, we're pivoting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you got to pivot. You uh, entrepreneurs, they don't ever fail. They always pivot. So that's part of the transition in from going from the frenzy of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies to at least for myself, one of the things I forgot to mention is I'm a professor. I teach at um I keep saying um and I'm going to stop it. Sorry, I man. teach at uh, University of New Hampshire Law School. I teach a course blockchain cryptocurrencies and the law. So we focus on blockchain the technology. But we acknowledge that cryptocurrencies are a blockchain education, awareness, and adoption campaign. Because without the ICOs, without the cryptos, without the frenzy, we wouldn't be talking about this. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, no one wants to talk about how to structure data or manage yeah. data. Or even the architecture. But now, to your point about architecture and security, one of the things you'll hear about for 2019 is now that we can have a conversation above the the ruckus, uh, the ruckus sound of, of ICOs, you're going to hear us talk about blockchain as an encryption layer. Literally, it's just a security feature. So your data is encrypted on via blockchain, period. 
That way you can have digital assets, uh, digital commodities that are all so, so secure and encrypted that you can publicly share who owns what because it's on an encrypted layer and this encrypted layer is known as blockchain. So even though the ICO market is hurting right, right at the moment, the blockchain space will continue to grow and there's there's lots of hope still for mm -hmm. some ICOs and some cryptocurrencies out there and we can talk about those in a little bit. Yeah, and it's funny as well. I mean, if you were to if you were to look at the memes that surface the the internet and you you see for example, you know, when Bitcoin's price is at 20,000, Everyone's saying, oh, I wish I bought it when it was at three or four, but now it's really at three or four thousand and Nobody's everyone, buying. right? Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of that old tale of, you know, people, you know, always falling in for actually selling low and buying high, right? <laughs> and, and this is also, I'm not, because you do a lot of education, right? So is this part of, you know, the education that you do when you, when you go do these blockchain courses? So, yeah. So, so next, um, on Friday, I'm going to Riyadh and but for a few banks, uh, it's a bunch of banks get together, they send me their employees so we can talk about how cryptocurrencies and fintech in general are going to impact banking. So we paint this really big picture called digital transformation. So underneath digital transformation, you have fintech, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, and we always like to add money laundering, uh, only because at the end of the day, if you're in financial technology, you need to know how to launder money so you can create the appropriate safeguards. Because particularly for myself, it's yes, we can create ways to send and receive money between person A and person B, but we need to do that in compliance with the rules and regulations mm -hmm. of the jurisdictions that we're in. And so underneath digital transformation, blockchain is this chapter of digital transformation. And so a subchapter of fintech, financial technology. Mm -hmm. And many people, they're... They're learning about what it means when they realize, oh, an ICO, an STO is just crowdfunding. And so crowdfunding is, a, is one of the big pillars of uh, crowdfunding is one of the big pillars of fintech. So when you realize what you're doing is crowdfunding, then you realize what you're offering the crowd is a crypto or a token. Then you can have that light bulb moment to realize, oh, ICO isn't a business. STO isn't a business, it's a funding mechanism mm -hmm. for a business and you're going out to a bunch of strangers, a crowd, and saying fund me. And so when it comes to education, particularly to the banks, they want to know what is fintech about, what is crowdfunding about, so they can look back at themselves and say, traditionally, we don't do any of this. Mm -hmm. So now that we know that this exists, because this younger generation uh, Faisal, he's 31 years old, he's thinking, I want to do banking, but only on my phone. Mm -hmm. I never want to go into a bank. I want to buy a car, a house on my phone, that's it. So, And then when he goes to start investing, he doesn't want to go to a bank. He wants to go back to his phone. Yeah. And, he, and eventually he wants to ask Siri, hey Siri, what should I buy today? Or hey Alexa, what should I buy today? And that's where the next chapter of FinTech IoT, Internet of Things, mm -hmm. comes into place because you take a speaker, which is just a speaker, um, but once you add machine learning to it, you get Alexa. So you can ask Alexa, hey Alexa, turn on the radio. Hey Alexa, what crypto should I buy? You can't do that now, but knock on wood, that's like three years away from having that additional layer of machine learning be ubiquitous, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. much so that this generation and the younger generations, 
they'll be able to dictate the flow of the market and how where the market is where the market is going, the velocity that it flows at, and what financial products they want. So when we talk to the banks and we just do education in general, we talk about digital transformation because technology is going to transform the way you and I and everyone else within MENA and the UAE invest, manages money. And so cryptocurrencies have a place in it, and we're just discovering what that place is. I mean, um, since you mentioned banks and um, I mean, from my personal experience, whenever I talk to uh, a banker from a domain or something, or at least people who still don't have their heads uh, wrapped around the technology itself, they always say, what new does cryptocurrencies bring? I mean, we, st- we have digital cash already. So, I mean, from your experience, what kind of, um, um, I would say, arguments do bankers specifically give when it comes to digital cash versus cryptocurrencies? It's a good point about digital cash because ninety, I think it's ninety-two percent of all "quote unquote" cash is digital. Yep. So, digital currency is not a new thing, but digital currencies are promoted, are backed by governments or fiat. Whereas cryptocurrencies, as I explain it to the banks and to listeners out there, cryptocurrencies are a customer service battle. Period. That's all it is. It's saying. Banks have always given you bad customer service because they don't really care because you have no other option, particularly for international payments. But in steps in Ethereum, Litecoin, or any of the other cryptocurrencies where you can say, I can send facil value even when I'm in D.C. just as easily as I might send him a text message. So for me, as a customer, I just want to do business with you. Mm-hmm. That's super convenient. Mm-hmm. And so the space that cryptocurrencies have is... They kick banks in the butt to let them know you can't ignore your next generation of customers. Mm-hmm. You could do things better. You could do things better. And so this, even though Ripple isn't a cryptocurrency, it's a settlement protocol. And if you're not a bank, Ripple or XRP is useless. If you're not a financial institution, what Ripple does is it tells Swift, you've had a monopoly for 30 years. We're building an infrastructure to compete with you to bring the value to your customers that they're looking for. And so cryptocurrencies, ultimately, they're a customer service battle. And for all of you out there who are saying, hey, I'm going to launch a cryptocurrency, I'm going to change the world. What You're not launching a cryptocurrency. It goes back to knowing what you're doing. You're building a global payment system. And so if you're building a global payment system, first Google that. And after you've exhausted all of Google, can tell you about what a global payment system looks like, then you can contact me and say, okay, I'm ready to move forward. Mm. Because um, if, you, if you say, oh, I'm just building a crypto, you're not building a community, you're not building a marketplace, you'll have a ton of supply and zero demand. Yeah. And, when you and have it's a, really easy to create a coin. Exactly. When you have easy. a ton of supply and zero demand, yeah. you end up in our current situation where everyone's seeing red. Mm. Yeah. Yep. So this is so to so you just mentioned sort of I think one vital use case about um, blockchain technology, which is sort of that remittance aspect, which where you could easily just send money from one place to another, and that's sort of seen as Bitcoin's biggest use case and mm-hmm. utility. So if we were to look at sort of just in twenty eighteen and you know the use cases out there, has there been something in terms of blockchain which has been widely adopted other than Bitcoin? Right. I mean, it's it's one of those things where now we haven't sort of seen, you know, that that killer app 
yet. And I think that's sort of what's also stagnating the industry just a bit. So who's winning in this market? Lawyers. <laughs> Lawyers. Oh, yeah. Lawyers are winning because whatever you're doing, you're doing crowdfunding and that falls under some kind of regulatory scheme. So when in America, when you hit, when you raise uh, $50 million, the SEC claps. They're like, excellent. We're going to find you $49 million or maybe $50 million. Because here's the thing. When the SEC Securities and Exchange Commission issues a fine on you, they don't give that money back to the people who invested or participated in your ICO. They keep it. So they keep a better track of who's been successful in raising money because that's how they determine what their goals are for 2019 because they're just going through the list, sending you uh, letters to say, hey, we're from the SEC. We've called the IRS or your bank and we've frozen your bank account while we come to get our money. Mm -hmm. So lawyers are definitely winning because either they're prosecuting you or they're defending you. Mm -hmm. The other big lawyers, and this is very contentious if, you're, if you want to nerd it out, is... IBM's Hyperledger, is it a blockchain? No, don't worry about it. Is it distributed ledger technology? Absolutely. It's a permissioned, um, it's a permission chain. And so they're winning only because they were able to secure, in 2017, they spent $160 million on stuff, on blockchain stuff like, I don't know, uh, tchotchkes, gifts, just doing events. So they spent $160 million on biz dev and they landed one client, Walmart. And so Walmart is adopting their blockchain, Hyperledger Fabric, to track its leafy vegetables. Right now in the United States, we have a recall on romaine lettuce. And so this is an application of blockchain for tracking of an asset. The asset is a vegetable. So people want to track diamonds or gold or precious jewels on blockchain. You can also track vegetables. There's actually a larger market for vegetables. And so this is probably one of the biggest use cases that you'll see a world, two, brand, two globally known brands using blockchain for something boring and arcane as where did this kale come from? And, and is this in production? Oh yeah, this is in production. It's a big deal because all of Walmart suppliers have to be on the Hyperledger chain by uh, September 2019. And it causes a ripple effect up and down the chain because all these businesses, farms who do business with Walmart, they have to figure out what is blockchain. So when I was speaking to someone, I think it was in our earlier episode, we were talking about the IP issue. It was with Chris from Blockgemini. Mm -hmm. And basically he was saying, you know, the issue when you have, you know, two big companies wanting to do something with blockchain, then IP is involved. Mm -hmm. They share the IP, but when they want to get other people involved, those others won't have any, you know, any stake in the IP. So all go towards the, the two main companies who basically created it. So in this case, if it's, you know, an IBM or Walmart coming together and the IP is oh, sort yeah. of going to be shared between those two. And if Walmart is going to be imposing that sort of a, you have to be on our platform, you know, that that's going to be really interesting. I mean, I, I don't know what that exactly means, but... So the best person to answer that is uh, Professor Tanya Evans. She's the mm -hmm. chair of intellectual property at University of New Hampshire Law School. Uh, they have one of the premier IP departments uh, on Twitter. She's Crypto Smart Lawyer. Mm -hmm. And so you guys can track her down on, on Twitter and ask her these specific questions. But absolutely, at the end of the day, if you look at who's in the IP game, Bank of America, Alibaba, and... Uh, 
Bank of America, Alibaba, and Amazon are and JP Morgan Chase, they're competing for the most patents. Not on not on Bitcoin blockchain, but on blockchain light technologies. Because mm. at the end of the day, the big boys want to roll up and say, uh, thank you all for your 2017, 2018, $22 billion worth of research and design into distributed ledger technology. Yet, uh, what, is, what is today? Tuesday? Whenever. Tuesday. Yeah. So earlier this week, Amazon announced their quantum ledger blockchain mm-hmm. web service that goes with their, their full suite of Amazon web. And so when Amazon comes into the market to say, yeah, you want to you want a permission blockchain or Amazon, we integrated it with the rest of our offerings. So what IBM be doing for the past two years. Yes. But the difference between IBM and Amazon, Amazon didn't make any money for the first 18 years of its existence because they were investing in cloud infrastructure. So I saw a study where even if IBM spent the next all their revenue for the next 10 years, they couldn't catch up to Amazon's current cloud footprint. So Amazon not only owns the infrastructure, the cloud, they're also going to say, hey, we will build your revolutionary thing. We will harvest all the data, of course, from it. And then determine, because it's Amazon's business model, somewhere in their terms and condition, you check a box when you talk about IP. And so they say, we're going to analyze your data. We're going to know more about Faisal's company than he does and then we're going to determine a do we want to buy his company because amazon that's their business model or b do we want to compete with him and so faisal's like hey you guys rolled out at something that looks exactly like my business and amazon's like well yeah we thought about buying you but then we decided we didn't want to do that (laughs) um and that's what happens when you have a quote-unquote mature industry so blockchain and cryptocurrencies are maturing and when you mature uh, you get the big boys to come into the block. But again, it's not a bad thing because... Mm. Think, it's definitely a positive, 100%. Yeah, think of it this way. If you have... Right now, we had about 4,500 or 5,000 ICOs previously and in the works. You have a 98% failure rate. So in twenty in November of 2017, I, I wrote an article entitled Why 98% of ICOs are going to fail. Mainly because in regular startup world, the failure rate is 90%. If you're doing restaurants, it's like 95%. The food food and beverage business is tough. When you're in the ICO space, you're participating in crowdfunding for startups because with the exception of Kodak and Overstock, all you're doing is funding research and design. You're funding research and design for novel technology, for novel applications, and in many instances, only for a white paper. And so when we look at the market, and like, oh my God, 70% have failed. I'm like, well, yeah, we got another 28 to go. <laughs> so don't freak out. Uh, there's more down to it, but you'll see that the market settles down. And then over the, some people, I was telling my partner, Isioma, I was like, the most important part of your overnight success is your first 10 years. <laughs> and so people just think you just show up and you're successful. It's like, nah, you, you need to see the journey. Yeah. So it's like Usain Bolt, the Jamaican runner. When you see him run, you only get 10 seconds. You don't even get a full 10 seconds. You don't see the first 30 years he put in to get into that 10 seconds. So with the, in the ICO space, well, yeah, they burn bright. Lots of them fell out. And so what will be determined is over the next 10 years, the next decades, 
for the next decade, who remains? And specific to Dubai and Mina is the example of Souk and yep. Souk.com. People don't appreciate it took them 12 years yes, yeah. to get acquired by Amazon. So if you want to, if you're serious about building a business and you're serious about investing in blockchain, in businesses that leverage blockchain, 2017 is a starting point. If they raise money, if they're here, don't worry about the blips, the ups and the downs. Time travel to 2030. Yeah. Everyone's time traveling 2030. <laughs> and be like, hey, in 2030, I bought X number of tokens. By the way, this is not investor advice. In uh, 2017, I bought X number of tokens and I just put them in my portfolio and I held on to them. A decade later, here's where I'm at because that's where you'll see the real value. It's funny that you mentioned Soul.com. I'm very lucky to sort of be working with one of the co-founders on a project. Mm -hmm. um, and like, yeah, it's like you could see sort of that work ethic, you know, you know, ingrained into their sort of system. Anyways, just to sort of like... Um, for Sog.com, for those who are unaware, it's basically the Amazon of the Middle East. So Amazon just basically bought them out instead of competing. Um, but what what it, it's really interesting because everything you said actually sort of moves us on to sort of the next point, which is everyone is kind of really focusing on building. Amazon has been sort of building this, you know, they built um, this service, you know, stealthily. Nobody really knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when it comes to the startups and the projects in this space as well, now the market is sort of down. Everyone is focusing, okay, on the architecture, the tech, um, as well as, you know, a number of things on how to actually build a sustainable business model and how you acquire users as you go on. And just one sort of recent, like, um, thing that happened in the, in the at least in, in Dubai, in the MENA space is El Hilal Bank, which is a bank in Abu Dhabi. They actually partnered up with Gibral Network, which is also a UAE-based fintech, and they issued the first um, Islamic bond, which is called Sukuk, on, on the blockchain as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean, okay, Gibral's price has dropped probably 80% or whatever it is, um, but, you know, they're, they're focusing on building and actually making sort of these relevant connections. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's like a two-year-old or a toddler, rather. They grow up fast, you know, they fall down when they learn to walk. So as a whole, the industry, the primary challenge was that people thought it was too good to be true. Then they forgot that if it's too good to be true, it is. And so they were a lot of retail and retail investors who they'd never seen this before. It's very exciting. They're gambling and don't know it. And they're not prepared for the long haul of investing because I hate the term sophisticated investor but they tend to have more patient money, mm -hmm. meaning the fund lasts 10 years. They know that. So in 10 years, this is going to be worth something. And so if you're making an investment, just think, hey, in 10 years from now, this is when this comes to fruition, not tomorrow. Because quick money, uh, if it comes quick, it goes faster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, is, this brings us to one point that we keep discussing a lot and a lot. I mean, Whatever is happening today is completely healthy and normal because you need that phase to wipe out whatever BS is out there mm -hmm. so that the real projects will stay. And then even those projects will not just stay, they will also continue to evolve and evolve and evolve until you have that killer app mm -hmm. or that, um, that, that application that really creates adoption without even knowing what the technology behind it is. So I think whatever we're going through, like you said, a lot of ICOs are now going away. Even the process of or 
coming up with a new ICO is becoming much more, I wouldn't say difficult, but people matured enough to understand, yeah, there are these gamblers out there who just spend their money on any ICO and then just wait for a pump and dump or return. But we are seeing more and more mature projects go, go out there. Now it's no longer about a white paper, even though even the quality of white papers <laughs> are becoming much more scientific in the way they are yeah. designed, in the way they are written, in the way they are addressing problems. So that kind of maturity, I, I remember at the beginning of this year, was not there. I mean, I still remember some website that I went through and I was like, what? Who does believe something like that? <laughs> but now it's very rare to find something like that. Yeah, I would like to see a transition away from white papers to just plain old business plans. So we're even MVPs, yes. MVPs. Yeah, we're at a stage where you don't you don't need to explain to me what blockchain is. I get it. It's like okay, you're going to use an encryption layer to do something. What's your business? Because today, if I start off telling you I was going to use HTTP for my business, you'd be like, you're going to use the internet. <laughs> The internet is your business. Are you Amazon? Yeah. No. You're. Oh, you're gonna use the internet for your business. Okay, brilliant. What's your business? What's your business? So when people say, "Hey, I've got an ICO," I'm like, "Okay, brilliant. What's your business?" Yeah. And so we did this a lot in 2017, and nobody liked us because, again, you should for all the younger listeners out there recognize a hype cycle. Because mm-hmm. for many people, this is the first. This is their first rodeo. They're very excited. Humans are just humans. It's like, oh my god. I'm so excited about this. I'm going to be a millionaire overnight. I'm like, yeah, like three or four of you are. Um, the rest of you are going to learn a very expensive lesson. So as you go to build your your MVPs, as you go to build your businesses, also think about growing your community. And part of that is we call it the magic whale formula. Everybody wants to be introduced to a whale. So part of it is have a strong social media standing because if you don't have a social media standing, people don't know who you are. And if people don't know who you are, they can't like you. And if people don't like you, they don't trust you. And no one does business with people they don't trust. And so part of that magic wheel formula is strong social media game, going to conferences, meeting people. Because at the end of the day, either you will become an influencer, you'll have a great podcast like Encrypted, or you will meet influencers who can introduce you to whales. Not just whales, but savvy investors. Because at the end of the day, you do actually need a community and in a healthy community it's not just retail investors it's also angel investors and institutional investors but you have to have an mvp and show them that you've put in the work to be worthy of their money and just keep in mind if you accept someone's money um i will show up on a saturday knocking on your door and be like hey what are you guys doing today why aren't you out there earning my iir yeah. Yeah, I think I think uh, that's a very valid and interesting point. I mean, community is the main driver um because even if you look at the most successful projects in this domain, look at for example Ethereum, look at Bitcoin. They they've gone through tough times. I mean, Ethereum has fallen short on a couple of promises, on a couple of milestones that they wanted to deliver, but the project is still standing strong. Uh look at Bitcoin and how it went through different forks and so on but still standing strong because there are that community out there that still believes in the product, that still believes that there's something very good that could come out out of it. So, like you said, the white paper and these kind of things, the website, the fancy websites and so on, will just get you so far. But unless you really have a good product that's out there that people can test, can try, can really play with, 
that's the only thing that will keep you going for a really long time. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd also say there's there's one bottleneck as well that it's not just um, an issue here, but sort of a global issue is that if you're a startup or a project or a company that has a crypto element, even if it's sort of a real business but has a crypto element, the number of companies that can't get a bank account is just super hard. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how you know, when do we get to a point where you know, these banks say, okay, these, you know, we, we, we think these are legit businesses. Is it five years? Is it when the SEC has, you know, full regulation? What When is that, you know, that turning point? Uh, part of it is, a, like we said, cryptocurrencies are a customer service battle. So if you're the banks, make it difficult for your competitors to compete. Be like, uh, yeah, we the starting line is at the top of the mountain. Good luck. You better get some wings to get up there. And so part of it is a pushback from the incumbents, the traditional uh, middlemen, because they don't want to give up their fees. They don't want to give up their customer base. Uh, in a shameless plug, today I went out to Silicon Oasis and visited Fidor Bank, um, F-I-D-O-R. So they're a digital bank. They're also a startup. They have four, they've set up four banks. They don't have call, they don't have humans. Uh, you would do everything online. And so they will also set up and manage your cryptocurrencies. Mm. They're called Fidor Bank. So they're based out of Munich, Germany, but they have an office here in mm. Silicon Oasis. If you Google Fidor Digital Bank, I'm sure they're happy to take your money and help set you up. But I will note that it's interesting where you're going into a decentralized space to get rid of the middlemen, but you're going to a middleman to help you do your do you thing. you need it in the interim? <laughs> <laughs> um, should we do like the funniest ICO we've heard of in this year? Oh, I don't think it's appropriate for this audience. Because <laughs> I've got like the best idea. Like I've got what I... Oh my God. Uh, I don't know. Is this, this is a rated G show? Because <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I... I uh, I mean, you don't have to say the name, just say the idea. Oh, oh yeah. uh, no, it's, it's, the, the name is just as bad as the idea. Uh, no, for real, the name is just as bad as the yeah. idea. Uh, it's like Uber, but for dating, we'll call it dating. It's like Uber, but for dating. So, yeah, it was such a brilliant idea. They raised $35 million. I was like, oh, you guys are going to crush it. I'd given them a few ETH myself when ETH was around 850 bucks. And I was like, oh, you guys are going to crush it. This is such a good idea. Uh, Like Uber for dating. We're calling it dating. And then they ran off with the money. I was like, guys, all you had to do was build this app. This is so (laughs) smart. I get it. I I get it. I I use Kareem. (laughs) I get it. (laughs) It's not complicated. And they ran off with the money. No. And I was so sad. I was like, oh, I mean, it cost me a few ETH. But I was like, oh, had you actually built this, you would have crushed the market. Um, okay. So, yeah, I was really sad about that. So my, my one was um, hearing a pitch about somebody wanting to um, create Sandcoin in the UAE. Okay. Sandcoin. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, and I, I don't get the concept, I don't get the idea, but um, they basically wanted to like tokenize sand, whatever that means. Uh, so <laughs> I have to think about that one. Right? I have to think about that one. If that rivals a banana coin. Yeah, 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 I was just about to mention that. So when, when one of the, somebody from the audience asked him, so why are you doing an ICO? He said, I'll be honest, I just want to raise money. 
And yeah. everyone gave him a round of applause because he was so super honest. So Ponzi coin, number one, Ponzi coin was very upfront, right in Ponzi scheme. Uh, they did give back their money. However, Ponzi coin number two thought Ponzi coin number one did such a good job that they should do it again. And they kept the money. And so it, those are some of the funnier things that happened. Okay. Um, the Ponzi coin, but it was clear. We're a Ponzi scheme. Give us your money. Wow. And people people gave, yeah. gave them their money. So uh, it's very similar. There's a, car, there's a game called Cards Against Humanity, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. which I love. So mm-hmm. in 2017, they said, give us money. We're going to dig a hole. We're going to rent a tractor and dig a hole. They raised $6 million and they dug a hole. The hole served no purpose. <laughs> All of that to say is if your community is engaged and they yeah. like what you're doing, exactly. they don't even, they, they're like, oh, we're going to go dig a hole. Here's $6 yeah. million bucks. Yeah. So they rented a, a backhoe. And yeah. when they ran out of money, they stopped digging the hole. And there was no purpose of the hole. So if you can take those elements that mm. build community and inject them into your startup, into your business, you're going to crush it because people will invest in what they believe in. Are in my instance, uh, shout outs to the now dearly departed Dino Empire. I don't know if you know this character. He was so funny on LinkedIn. Uh, Dino Empire is going to take over the world. And so I gave him a couple of eats um, just because he was hilarious. It was just ruckus funny, but he dropped off the face of the earth. I assume he's hiding from FinCEN or the SEC at the moment. Interesting. That's that's really the the, the psychology of the market, as yeah. some people call it. I mean, you you really don't know why people invest in some things, and you really don't know why they don't invest in other things. So, that I mean, I had a couple of discussions with a couple of people, and they say that the market is speculative just because it's purely driven by psychology. Mm-hmm. I mean the way people perceive the markets going down or going up and how they invest and when they pull out and all these kind of things. Oh. And, and, <laughs> and it really doesn't make any kind of sense to invest in, in the schemes that we just discussed. Mm. But yeah, still people do invest yeah. in it. I guess there's just the biggest lesson learned, right, for in at least for, for this generation. Well, at least I, I, I know a couple of people who are millionaires because of these schemes. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. that's not something sustainable. <laughs> so I agree. Yes, that is, that is a distinct possibility. But you have to know that for me, we're sitting at a poker table playing Texas Hold'em. Yeah. Right? So I'm listening to Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. And because I'm old, I've seen this before. My, in my previous life, I worked at Fannie Mae as their emergency manager. So in 2008, I joined them as emergency manager after having witnessed what happened in the housing and real estate. Mm-hmm. It was just a different bubble. And so I rather, the cryptocurrencies, I call it a Bitcoin burp. It's not a bubble because there's no systemic risk. It's a bad for retail investors, so it's a burp. Um, but we're going to have another one. You have some new emerging technology. And when you guys are 10 years older, you'll be like, oh man, I've seen this before. Here's what we're going to do. And here's where we're going to exit. And so as I tell people, you can't have a liquidity event unless you have a liquidity event. So if you're out there hodling on for dear life, it literally means you can't have a liquidity event. Well, on that note, <laughs> um, thanks a lot, Samson, for, um, for coming on. Um, where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can visit my website, samsonwilliams.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Samson Williams, S-A-M-S-O-N. W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S or follow me on social at Hustle Fun Baby and there's no such thing as a stable coin.
That's all. <laughs> Hustle fun, baby. We'll talk about stable coins next time. <laughs> Excellent. And if you really like the show, please, guys, go on Apple Podcasts, rate and review the um, the podcast and this episode, and please do share with your friends. Again, you can find us on um, Instagram, on LinkedIn at Encrypted, um, and on Twitter as well. We, we are at Encrypt underscore D. So we're trying to keep that encrypted element. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot for tuning in. And see you next week. Thanks, guys. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.